Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We're a drinking podcast with a comic book problem. Shake the shit out of it. So what you're seeing there, I've gone through and done meta tags for all of those books. So I had to go like sci-fi or fantasy, and I even have like male protagonists, female protagonists, teen, school. I you know, love that, Todd. So. I think Todd and I awesome. both have admitted to a weird, and I don't think we're completely alone in this, but no. A, we both have a love of reorganizing our comic book collections, like in different ways. Like mm-hmm. I've done it multiple times. Like it is, uh, Ellen felt so bad when I was packing up all my comics. I'm like, oh no, you don't realize how much I love this. Because I put all of my comics into a bunch into 36 short boxes, and then on my app, I documented every box where every book was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can open up my app and find whatever book I'm looking for, which A makes me very happy. Uh but yeah, but like so but Todd's put in all these meta tags. I haven't gotten to that point in time yet. I can I can do it on the one that I'm using, uh, the app I'm using, but Todd's That's using a different smell, app now. Smell. But yeah. anyway, hey, and welcome to another episode of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We are finishing up our month of true crime books with this book is a quote-unquote true crime book, meaning it's true crime adjacent. Mm-hmm. Um, there is part of the story that involves an actual true crime, but everything else is uh, I believe completely utterly fucking fictional. It's a crime graphic novel. Yes. It doesn't claim true crime. It's also it's also based on a James Elroy novel, which is very, very obvious. Um, James Elroy is very similar to like the old pole. Um, like Harlan Ellison. Harlan Ellison and oh, what's the other guy who wrote? Um, Richard Stark. No, um, I'm thinking older than that, like uh, the old classic ones. I was reading a bunch of them, uh, like the ones that came out in like the 40s and 50s. Uh, I'll I'll remember. But I went through a phase where I was reading like all these old pulp novels, like the the Maltese Falcon and Mm. um, the Big Sleep. And I'm I'm trying to remember some of those. They're great. And it's all a very similar style. And a lot of them take place. That was the other thing I thought was really weird. I didn't realize at the time. A lot of those old film noir stories all take place in L.A. um, or San Francisco, like in California. But that's also because California was sort of a Wild West still at that point in time. Yeah, it was, it was still kind of glorified because of Hollywood. Well, it, it was glorified because of Hollywood was building up. There's the oil industry building up. Like, mm-hmm. it was essentially a boom town. And there was, I think, a great deal of corruption, which is mentioned True. in this book. And that is somewhat accurate. And we'll also lead into my drinking game rule. But anyway, yes, yeah, so this is The Black Dahlia uh, based on a, a novel by James Elroy uh, adapted by David Fincher, I'm assuming, to the story. And then the scripting was done by Matt. And, uh, he's a Frenchie. He's a Frenchie. Oh, okay. You can tell by the art. Well, the art was done by Miles Heyman. Oh, never so, mind. Uh, no, yeah, you're going to do a paint me like one of your French girls joke. I was following that, but uh doesn't fully apply. But uh, we have all four of us here again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am here with Todd. Lena is in front of her computer. Adam is in front of his computer. And I am Yo. Ryan. Hi, how are y'all doing? So, Mr. Adam, what is our cocktail for the Black Dahlia? Uh, our cocktail for the week is called Hollywoodland. You're going to take an ice-filled shaker. You're going to add in two ounces of tequila, one ounce of ginger liqueur, one ounce of fresh-squeezed lime juice, a half ounce of creme cassis. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. I always get it mixed creme up. Cassis? Creme yeah. cassis liquor. Uh, and I haven't heard of this one before, but this is uh, three dash of mole bitters. Mole bitters? Yeah, it's like a it sounds like it's like a Mexican hot chocolate. It's got like uh, cinnamon yeah, well, chocolate. I mean, mole yeah. is a chocolate-based sauce. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, you add all that to an ice-filled shaker, you shake vigorously, and then you strain into an ice-filled rock spot. Vigorously? Vigorously. changing your word choice now? That's what Adam, it says. That's not vigorously. what we do here. No, no, Adam, no, no, no. Adam, remember What's, what show uh, you're on. Add all ingredients to an ice-filled <laughs> No, nope, Adam, back up, back up, back up. What do we say here, Adam? Yes, Daddy. 
<laughs> Even I know what they're going for. I'm getting there. Add all ingredients to an ice cold shaker. Shake Adam. the shit out of it. There right. we go. There we go. Shake the shit out of it. That's what you, you wouldn't let me get to that part. Shake the shit out of it. Straight into an ice cold rocks glass and garnish with a lime slice. Okay. You may have to repeat the whole thing because I'm sure I talked over the top of all of that and no one. You did. You okay. are super annoying. All right. So. <laughs> This week's drink is called Hollywood Land. You're going to take an ice-filled shaker, add two ounces of tequila, one ounce of ginger liqueur, one ounce of lime juice, a half ounce of creme de cassis liqueur, uh, three dashes of mole bitters, which is like a Mexican hot chocolate type bitter. You add all ingredients to an ice-filled shaker, you shake the shit out of it, you strain into a ice-filled rocks glass, and then you garnish with a lime slice. That sounds pretty good. That actually sounds really good, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, interested, I'm interested for mole bitters. So the thing is, I actually collect, I have a lot of bitters in my cabinet. I don't use them very often because I really don't indulge in drinks that would require them. But I do want to play around with them more because I know how much they, they add to the flavor profile of, mm-hmm. of drinks. I have some Angostura cocoa bitters, which are pretty good. I've got, uh, so I got some chocolate bitters. I don't remember the brand that I got to recreate your cherry cordial old-fashioned. Mm. And it's quite delicious. Yeah. I've always had the hard time of trying to figure out how many bitters to actually put into something. That's always been my challenge. I have, And I also haven't done a whole lot of experimentation with it. Well, there's a dude on, um, on YouTube. I can't remember his name, but we started watching a lot of his stuff. He's like a professional bartender and he'll uh, kind of like he'll he'll try all kinds of different alcohols mixing together. He did the drink from I think was it the office where they made the drink where they threw everything in the coffee cup? Oh uh, yeah the one of everything. Yeah he actually made yeah. that and like improved it to make it better. Uh, but he was talking about using bitters and I, I didn't realize it was says a dash of bitter it actually means a lot. Like you don't just do a little yeah. I always thought it was like a drop. You actually don't you shake the shit out of it yeah. to get a good splooge in there. You, so. you almost do like a hot sauce kind of a splooge yeah. of a bitters. Yeah. A splooge of bitters. They're coming to work tour next year. So. Yeah, they are. Uh, a bitter splooge. A bitter splooge. <laughs> that happens if you don't eat pineapple. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm not going to segue out of that. <laughs> what is your drinking game rule for this week? Misogyny. Ah, okay. Fuck this book. Every time you sit here and go, why the hell is this here and why did they say that word? Take yeah. a drink. Uh, I'm interested to see what you all say, but fuck this book. Uh, okay. Um... Todd, what is your drinking game rule? I've got two of them. So uh, the first one is everyone sucks here. <laughs> okay. So yeah, as you're reading correct. this book and you're going and you're like, is there a protagonist? I don't think there's a protagonist here. It's yeah. all antagonist. And the other one is, um, well, that's a bit of titillation. Mm-hmm. Self-explanatory. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It was right word choice. Right there, Lena? That was almost uh, me. That was all actually... I got was a nod. Yeah. All I got was a nod. That was one of the ones well, you I had. Already, you already said it. So it's just not. I know. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Adam, what is your drinking game rule? Uh, mine is how'd they get away with this? Every time this tastes something incredibly racist. Um, I'm surprised they, they got away with using some of those words because this book was written, what, like recently, wasn't it? It was in the last couple of years or yeah. years or something. <laughs> Yeah, yeah have, 2016. Uh, I'm sorry, 2013 was the original. Okay, so this this comment came out three years after the original novel. Um, okay, mine is called, oh, that's where the, that name comes from. Every time you recognize the street uh, name in Los Angeles as one of the characters or side people they talk about, like Sepulveda mm-hmm. and a bunch of those other ones. Um, oh, 1987 is when James Elroy's first novel actually came out. So the, the original novel came uh, out. Okay, I, that still. But still, yes. I mean, um, this, this wasn't written by Quentin Tarantino, so. No, but here's the thing. Um, it, it was culturally accurate for the time. 
Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. No, there Here's was the a thing. ton of racism back in the police force. Back no, no, no. I, I agree. There was a ton of racism. I'm not disagreeing with that. And I'm not disagreeing with the fact that cops can be major fucking assholes. And I'm also not disagreeing with the idea that the difference between cops and criminals is a very thin line and has been for a very, very long time. Um, I was just thinking because this felt so much like one of those old uh, crime novels, like a Dashiell Hammett or, um, or a Hammett uh, kind of novel. I was like, okay, so it has that vibe, but like, even in those books, they're not as racist and misogynistic as this book is. <laughs> like, it's sort of as one of those, like, it's like the annoying little brother who's like trying to overly swear to try to prove that he's in there. Um, the other thing that really kind of annoyed me about this book um, is that, as Todd said, there are no good people in this, but B, like, it's sort of around the Black Dahlia, but everything else, as far as I know, is fucking fictional. Yeah. Other than a few details of the crime, it's all this made-up shit about these two boxers who become partners, and they have this weird three-way, and it's very, like, L.A. Confidential, which James Elroy... Yes, that's what it really reminded me of, was L.A. Confidential. Well, that's, it's Thank the same you. writer, and this is part of that oh, okay. trilogy. Oh, uh, I didn't or, know that. Quadrology or whatever. There's, like, a... I don't know. But that's part of that same... He basically wrote four books, and this this book is part of that whole sequence. So it is very L.A. Confidential, um, but, yeah, everyone's a fucking asshole. Um, the only slightly redeeming quality about this book, I think, with exceptions, is I think the art is really interesting stylistically. No, okay. No, okay, okay. Stylistically, don't know. I agree that it is overly titillating um, and gratuitous as far as nudity goes. All of the men's faces look exactly the fucking same. Oh, yeah. You can only tell the difference because of hair color. That's the only way you can do it. Barely. Yeah. I mean, it is absolutely unbelievable how every cop's face looks exactly the same. I, it took All me white 10 minutes. Well, that's well, true. That's not <laughs> inaccurate. I, but it is just infuriating when I first started reading it. And I'm like, who the fuck is talking right now? And yeah. I know that I spend a lot of episodes saying, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I knew what was going on, but I didn't know who the hell was talking. Thank God yeah. they all said each other's names because yeah. otherwise you'd have no idea what the difference is in any of them. They all had even the even the um the ref or whatever the hell they call them in boxing. Um, mm-hmm. his face was the same as the other two. It was yeah. It was like, could you just? Was there anything else you could have done? Anything? Anything that made them look different? I mean, it was it was really frustrating reading. Well, to it. be fair, a lot of the women look the same as the men in this book too. All of them. But that's what I mean. Like it was it was just infuriating how even the the Georgie who who the only reason you could kind of tell him apart was he had more lines on his face mm-hmm. than the right but the actual look of his face was exactly the fucking same yeah and i was just like oh i hate this I hate this mm-hmm. so much. Um, I thought I'd like it because it does have that very like old, like 40s film noir kind of feel to it. Yeah. But when you can't tell the fucking characters apart, it kind of ruins the whole thing because you're like, I have no idea what the hell is happening because I don't know who's talking. And there is so much dialogue mm-hmm. that it's just like, it was. <sighs> It's like all they did was take a script and stick it in here. And it was just, there was, it was nothing. It was just two yeah. people in a room talking. It was just. Well, 
and here's my thing for mm-hmm. a book that has three writers looking at it. Yeah, right. right. It does a fuck lot of do lot uh, do es machina. It's like two two writers. Well, you have James Elroy and David Fincher's doing the adaptation. And well, no, have, uh, James Elroy yeah. did the novel exactly. David Fincher is, and Metz did, which is his real name is, is Alexis Nolan, are the two that yeah. actually wrote everything out. So yes. they're the ones that made this wordy as shit. Well, okay, I, I'm not talking about the wordiness of it. I'm talking about the actual the way the book is laid out in the plot. Oh, yeah. Is that like it gets real like all the shit's going on and then at the end it's like here here's what the whole conspiracy but like they don't let you uncover it with him as a detective it's just like they just lay it all out you yeah. know what I mean like for me all those mm-hmm. little details of like they were connected to this person they were connected to that person that's the more interesting story if you want to tell it and yeah. you know maybe tell the extra part as a flashback but the whole like they were cops then they weren't or they were fighters then they both became cops and they whatever that didn't need to be the first full fucking chapter of the book it was almost right. to me it felt like and I don't know if this is true this is just this is my feel of how it looked is that they said oh we're gonna adapt this comic and then you know they did like you know four chapters like oh it's not selling so wind it up in two and they then sort of screw a bunch of shit together at the end to make it all make sense because like it felt like this book needed to well not that anyone wanted it to be longer but to get the story out in a similar pace across the whole line it almost needed to be like four more issues yeah um, and, towards the end. did you, anyone ever see the uh, movie Maximum Overdrive. No, so it was. It was. Actually, the, is that the Charlie Sheen one? No, it's the one. No, that's like Terminal written, Velocity. No, it was like written and directed by Stephen King. It's where all like the everything mechanical comes to life and starts killing people. Okay. Like oh. the the main bad guy at the end, that we'll see that thing is a giant semi, and there's like mm-hmm. a like, there's a green goblin mask from Spider-Man in front of it. That's like the big bad guy. So it's the humans trying to survive, and you know lawnmowers come to life and start killing people. Like I remember, there's a Coke machine that starts spitting cans of Cokes out and hitting these little kids in the head and killing them and stuff. Nice. So. Uh, at the very, very end of the movie, when everything ends and people get away, right before the credits roll, a paragraph comes up on screen. Literal paragraph that says, in you know, the weeks after the event, blah, 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 it was discovered there was an alien spaceship that was hiding behind the moon. And that's what controlled everything. And then we blew it up and everyone lived happily ever after. The end. So, like, okay. it, it was literally a paragraph after the movie that said, this is what really happened. And that's really how I felt about this book. It was like, like you said, it was it was all this story. It was, it was Black Dahlia Jason. Mm-hmm. You know, her a lot of what happened around her was involved, you know, according to this, I would say somewhat fictional retelling. And then, yeah, just let's do the exposition dump and then be done with it. And yeah, I'm right with you. Like that, that was the story that actually was interesting. I didn't care about the 160 pages before then. Yeah. It was that last five or six pages where it's like, oh shit, this is actually the cool stuff. Uh, yeah. It would be like having a story about Jack the Ripper. And it's all about the fact that one of the detectives was fucking all the prostitutes that were dying. And then the last five pages, it's like, oh, it was actually the queen's son. You know, yeah. like, dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I really thought it was going to be the case looking for the Black Dahlia killer. And in a sense, it was a tiny bit, but it was definitely more. There was a game uh, a game out called L.A. Noir. I don't know if anyone ever played it. Mm-hmm. it was on, uh, and it was super, super cool. Rockstar did it. Yeah, Rockstar, Rockstar did yeah. it, yeah. And it was one of the first ones where they did, like, mocap for faces because you had to track down if someone was lying or not. It felt like Wasn't I was... that also one of the ones that had, like, sort of the, the morality engine to it where, like, depending on what you did, you got different endings? Uh, it had, no, I always had the same ending. I don't remember. I didn't play enough okay. of it. I got about halfway through and then got busy with work and then never went back. I have it on my Switch actually. I need to go through it again. Because it really was it, was it wasn't it was the greatest game, but it was cool for what it did at the time. And now it's yeah. using you know, technology we take for granted now. Uh, but Lily Noir felt like a much better version of this. So if you want to actually play or experience a cool story that takes place in this same area. And actually, no. You do track down the Black Dahlia murder in that game. That's one of the, the scenes because you actually have to graduate mm-hmm. up to Homicide. And that's actually 
one of the cases you go on. I remember that now that I think about it. Uh, so if you want a much better telling of Black Dahlia, go play that game. And yeah, the, it's cool because the cops aren't all good people. They make mistakes and mm-hmm. in the long run pay for them. So yeah, don't don't read this. Go go play L.A. Noir. <laughs> uh, Todd, you got anything you want to add? Those two are summing it up pretty well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lana, do you have anything else you want to add to this? Yes, a couple things. One, um, the nudity is unnecessary. It Absolutely. was just un- a lot fucking necessary. All of it yeah, was unfucking necessary. The other thing is, if you want to actually hear the real part, like, what I was hoping this was going to be mm-hmm. was a conversation about the Black Dahlia murder, and then there were other murders that happened around the same time that looked like yeah. it may have been an escalation to mm-hmm. Elizabeth Short being killed, and um, there's a really good podcast that dives into it. It's called The Black Dahlia Serial Killers. Um, Wandry did it. I listened to it years ago. It's freaking amazing because it dives into all the other murders that happened around the same time and that may have been connected, And and but the cops never really... It was like this whole thing and that no one really thought it was the same because not everything was the same and blah, blah, blah. Um, also, I, and I don't know if I'm remembering this incorrectly, but I don't remember Elizabeth Short being a prostitute or a um, star? Yeah. I-, I don't remember that detail either, but there... There is indication in this, which I think is actually semi-factual, that like she would maybe prostitute herself when she needed a little extra cash. It wasn't like her full-time gig, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that that's semi-true. But past that, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I thought she was like a would-be actress, and I know that she was like she spent a lot of time on like the bases when they would do like the dances and everything with the Navy and Air Force yeah. and whatnot. But like, um, I don't remember, like they made her like first she was a, a prostitute, then she's a lesbian, then she's an adult film star. Then I was like, what in the hell is all of this? Like all of these things are completely unnecessary. And I just, I don't know, whatever. I just, it like... So I'm actually on Wikipedia right now looking up about that. And there actually is a whole mm-hmm. section called The Rumors and Factual Disputes. Uh, numerous details regarding Short's personal life and deaths have been points of public dispute. The eager involvement of both the public and press in solving her murder has been credited as factors that complicated the investigation significantly, resulting in a complex, sometimes inconsistent narrative events. Uh, do has circulated about her. She was a prostitute. She was frigid. She was pregnant. She was a lesbian. And somehow, instead of fading away over time, the legend of the Black Dahlia just keeps getting more uh, convoluted. So there's just no one really knows. That's where it comes down to the fact that they know she went to California. She looks mm-hmm. like she was trying to become an actress. Uh, she was arrested for underage drinking. There's a mugshot. Uh, that's There's not much. And it, again, it just goes back to everything's come up as you know just the, her death and the, the firestorm that surrounded it. So but little yeah, is known about they, her, it seems. It just it like, I I don't I mean, it's whatever. It, it just, it, it feels like it's a woman who, you know, had a good time because mm-hmm. men could do it and because she had a good time they immediately called her uh, they said well obviously she's doing it for money mm-hmm. you know no good girl does stuff like that and obviously there was something wrong with her and blah 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 and I just can't it just was it was too much and the and that was like the most you really heard about her you didn't really get into anything that had to do with the murder or any of this stuff it was it all had to do with these two jackass cops mm-hmm. and and 
it, it just it did feel very like some shithead made a movie and decided to turn that movie into a graphic novel and that's all this was like there wasn't yeah, it felt like a script that they just you know no, it was no. it was shot for shot what they wanted to put into a movie and that was it and it's just like I there's nothing good here this isn't even a well done movie like I just don't I don't know I was very upset there's so much you could have done with this that could have made it so good and they did the exact opposite so fuck this book <laughs> okay are you about something to add or do you want to go out on that I don't think we can talk no, that so okay well Lena what is your grade for this book F I hated this I hated everything about it I'm all the all the all the faces looked the same the story was shit it was misogynistic to the point of to an extreme and there was no uh, need for all of the female nudity so don't forget the uh, blatant racism as well yes Oh, it's just it, it like there is nothing redeeming about this book. It is it is just bad. I thought it was going to be a good thing, and then it just they they fucked it up from the very beginning. I don't give a shit about two shitty you know boxers that became cops. Like no one gives a shit. <laughs> okay, um, that is uh, that's fair. Adam, what is your grade? So I, I can't go with an F because as I was removing the book from my iPad, uh, I bumped a thing and it scrolled down. <laughs> it scrolled down to. Uh, <clears throat> remind me that we had read Mark Miller's Trouble, and mm-hmm. I don't think anything. And Bo, Bo, I mean, Bo, that Bo, was Bo, Bo. no. Remember, I said I hated that worse than Boba Bo. That was oh, okay. that was tough on the thing. So I'm going to go with a D uh, for the same things. You know, Lena said there's there's nothing really redeeming here. Uh, there was a cool story they decided not to tell, um, but I'm giving it a D because it made me think of La Noir and how much I liked that game. So okay, Mr. Todd. Yeah, I'll go with the D. Yeah, I'm going to go probably with a D as well, not because I didn't hate it. Um, Triple D. Yeah, because I I agree with Lena. It should get an F. But I'm basing it on not giving it an F because it is not as bad as Neonomicon. That's the one that I'm like, I got rid of that book. Like, I did not want to have that in my collection. I did not want to have, like, I had that book and I was like, no. Like, I don't want anyone to, like, accidentally pick it up off the shelf and read it and go, what the fuck is this? I don't want to have any attachment to that book. So this one, not quite as bad. If someone picks up this book, I can say, not great. Art's okay. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, no. So that's, so it's getting a slight pass because there's other shit where than it so yeah we uh, always have that low bar that we look at and then we always have yeah, like, you know, yes. so for me it's we have a high trouble. bar we have a low bar yeah. so you know it's it's not quite uh it hasn't quite fallen off the low bar just yet but it's definitely down there uh cool so next month we have decided finally uh to do a month of science fiction uh we are going to start out with a good old star wars book the rise of kylo ren uh, because it will be very close to may the fourth be with you uh so that's why we're doing that then we're gonna do a book called the seeds uh a book called far sector which is part of the young animals line which i have been reading and enjoying uh, the DC Young Animals line, I should yeah. say, uh, and it's uh, sort of based around the world of Green Lantern. Uh, there's another good book if you are interested in that uh, called Mother Panic, which is uh, based around the Batman world, which I really enjoy as well. Then we're going to do the comic book adaptation of the book Dune, um, and then we are going to do Trans Metropolitan, a book I love dearly. I even have a friend who has a tattoo from it. I've thought about doing something similar, um, and uh, I, I'm excited to reread it. To be honest with you, I'm slightly hoping it doesn't turn out to be shitty. Because uh, I have loved that book for a long time. So I'm hoping it's not terrible, but you know, there's always a possibility. So, uh, so join us next week for The Rise of Kylo Ren. Anybody else got anything else? No, no. I said don't, don't read this okay. book. So. Yeah, don't read cool. this book. Don't read this one. Uh, cool. Well, then, thanks for everybody for joining us, and we will see you all later. Bye. 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 Where should I go for lunch? <laughs>